are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Friday. Normally, we're going to start doing trade targets on Thursday, or on Tuesday, sorry, but I've got such a good one. And a realistic potential target, I think, for New Orleans, too. A guy that might be on the market, Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers. Let's look at him as a player. Then in the second segment, we're going to come up with some trades because I do think this is feasible. And then finally, in the third segment, the All-NBA teams. I was going through some of the votes. I got to yell it at some random person. I don't know who you are, but I'm, I'm going to scream at you a little bit in the third segment. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. Also, don't forget, I want to do a listener NBA draft big board. So send me on Twitter at Nola Jake, DM me on Twitter at Nola Jake, or email me lockedonpels at gmail.com. Your top 13, top 15, top 20, rank as many as you want. Just get to 13 prospects out there, and I'll compile a big board so we can do a listener big board and come up with who we want to see the Pelicans draft at 13 overall. If they stay there, or maybe they move that pick for a guy in Indiana named Victor Oladipo. People come up with all sorts of fake trades all the time. And usually when I see these trades on Twitter, someone sends them to me. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. One, it, it's tough to come up with like three teamers, four teamers that make sense with all the moving parts. And it's you just don't accurately predict those. And then when you come up with other deals, like they're usually so one-sided in favor of the Pelicans because they would say yes to this trade, but like the other team wouldn't. And this is a normal thing. And it's fine. Go ahead. Have your fun. That's what the trade machines are for, right? So usually when you come up with like a superstar deal and it's coming to New Orleans, it's very rare that this is anything that's even a remote possibility. Except for today when we talk about Victor Oladipo. The Indiana Pacers are going through, I don't know, they're, I don't know if you want to call them a team in transition because they shouldn't be, but they just fired their head coach. And yes, his offense was kind of antiquated, but still at the same point, they're a small market. They act like a small market team. What's going on, right? So yeah, let's, let's hover around them a little bit. Let's kind of, kind of pick up the bones, sniff at them or something like that and see what's going on. And if they're maybe willing to kind of blow it all up or maybe go through a bit of a rebuild, the team that they have is never going to get that far. They're kind of in a similar situation to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're good. They were the four seed in the Eastern Conference, which four seed, yay, Eastern Conference. eh. And they got bounced out after being swept in the first round by the Miami Heat. And so when you look at this team, they're kind of like, this is their ceiling, right? That's probably what you would think from them. And so do they really want to pay that much for it? Or is it better just to kind of tear it down, save some money and not go through all of this? And that's where Victor Oladipo comes into this. He's a really good player, right? We all know this. He's a two-time All-Star. He looks amazing coming over from Oklahoma City in that trade for Paul George. Paul George wanted out because they acted like a small market team. So when you look at their situation and then look at where Victor Oladipo is on his contract, and that's the main reason why I think maybe they're open to trading him, He's on an expiring deal next year. He's making $21 million. Then they're going to need to come to an extension with him. And he's going to get way more than $21 million. He's the ninth highest paid shooting guard in the league right now. 
He's probably worth more than that. Even coming off the injury, he has a ruptured quad tendon that he suffered two seasons ago now, where he only played a couple of uh, 30-something games for Indiana in 2018, 2019, 36. Then came back going into the bubble, played a couple of games before that, then played in the seeding games and played in the playoffs for him. He played 19 total games this year, but just 530 minutes or so. So given that he's coming off that injury, and we'll talk about how he played here in a second, and didn't look like the same type of guy after the injury, not that he should, right? It takes a little bit of time to work back into that. Would they maybe be willing to trade him with that injury history, knowing that they're going to have to pay him a bunch? And at that point, they already have about 80-something million committed to the cap, and you've got to pay Oladipo another 30. You're not in the luxury tax. You're not pushing the luxury tax, but you can't really do a whole lot else with the team at that point. So is that a road that they want to go down? And I'm not sure that it is. And so because of all of that, I think they might be open to uh, to trading Victor Oladipo. And if that is the case, this is the guy that the Pelicans maybe should go all in on. I feel pretty confident on that. And it's also a realistic one. So of all the fake trades that get thrown out there, I haven't seen any with Victor Oladipo. And Oladipo might be the most gettable for New Orleans. He's a perfect fit for what New Orleans needs here, I think. So in Indiana, where he's been kind of the man and a two-time All-Star in the three seasons he's been there, he's averaged 21 uh, points per game, four assists, five boards. Those are pretty good numbers. Over uh, the two seasons, kind of before uh, leading up to the injury, he was averaging, yeah, right at those sorts of numbers, a little uh, closer to 22 points per game. After the injury, though, kind of working his way back in, He has not quite been the exact same. He only averaged 15 points per game in the 19 that he played this season. That goes along with three assists and four rebounds. He was playing fewer minutes, but not by a ton. Only about four fewer minutes per game, but definitely saw a dip in production. Well, if he comes to New Orleans and they pair him with Brandon Ingram and Zion and Drew Holiday, because I don't think you actually need to give up Drew Holiday in a deal like this, well, then you don't need to worry about him being kind of the main that he was, and he can take his time working himself back into being that top-tier player that he was. You're not throwing him right into the fire and being like, here are the insanely high expectations, go and produce. I think that's a really good option for New Orleans and a great situation to put a guy like Victor Oladipo right into. As a three-point shooter in Indiana, he's been pretty good, 35.5%, 36% on six attempts per game. That's decent volume. He wasn't good from deep last season, 32%. But overall, he's an above-average three-point shooter. He's not a lead at that, though. But he is a creator, and that's what you're looking for. Look at the NBA playoffs and look at how many guys can create off the dribble, attack the rim, and then create for others that way. Either creating their own shot, shooting off of the dribble, and then passing when they bended the defense a little bit. Victor Oladipo does that. As a secondary ball handler, as a secondary creator on this team behind a guy like Drew Holiday or if Brandon Ingram grows into that, he's perfect. You can let him get some run with the second unit and really lead that unit too, even though he would be in your starting lineup. I like that. It can clearly see where the rotations would be with him, that maybe he's one of the first guys subbed out, but then comes right back in with the second unit a little bit later, or he leave him out there on the court a little bit longer to run with the second unit, however you want to do it. He'd be perfect in that role. And at that point, when he comes, when he's fully healthy, even if he's never what he was uh, before, well, you feel pretty good about what he's going to be given that he'd be your third or fourth option at that point. So I do believe that this is a great fit. 
Defensively, he's very strong on that side of the ball, too. He's going to be an instant upgrade in the backcourt there alongside Drew Holiday. Yes, over Lonzo Ball, who, yes, may or may not feature in a trade coming up here. Got to tease it a little bit. But he's perfect in this. Immediately, you get better on offense. Immediately, you get better on defense. The only thing that's a concern is knowing that you're going to have to pay him after this season. And if he doesn't look all that good because he's coming back from the injury, you're going to extend him. You've given up some stuff for him. It's kind of that sunk cost fallacy. And you've got to try and bring him back to see if you can kind of salvage things from him. But if he doesn't live up to it, you know, potentially he walks. Or maybe he walks if he just doesn't want to be here anyway. And so he's going to tie up the rest of your cap for a while. You're not going to have a lot of the flexibility that you might hope. He's going to get close to $30 million. You know, four for 120 makes some sense, I think, for him. Maybe not quite that high, but in that range. So if you're comfortable tying up your future flexibility in Victor Oladipo, this trade makes a lot of sense. He's also 28 years old. So he's not on the young side of the timeline with the young guys like Brandon Ingram, who's 22, Zion, who's 19, and some of the other young guys that they have here. He's closer to Drew Holiday in his age with all of this. But if you're trying to be competitive next season, and I think the Pelicans want to be, Going all in for Victor Oladipo makes an absolute ton of sense. So how do you make that happen? That's what we're going to cover here in the next segment. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only daily show breaking down everything you want to know about your New Orleans Pelicans. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So trades for Victor Oladipo. And this is where things get interesting because given that he's an expiring deal and they're maybe not likely to re-sign him given the cost that he might bring to that organization, you could get him maybe for a little bit less than what you normally would. Now, this also is true for every other team that's going to be in the running. I would assume a team like the Mavericks would want to get in on this, maybe even the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves do have the number one overall pick they could potentially offer in this. And I think they would offer that for Victor Oladipo and then whatever salary you need just to make it work. So it's going to be some stiff competition for him, but I think you can still potentially outvalue them. If the Pelicans get Victor Oladipo, immediately you're going to need to include probably one guy in this for sure, and that's going to be J.J. Redick. Oladipo at 21 million, J.J. Redick a little bit over 13 or so is going to help you kind of get part of the way there. Then you're going to need to include a young asset and then probably a pick. So J.J. Redick alone can be flipped maybe for a first-round pick later on. So you're giving them kind of an asset in that. I think you could include Lonzo Ball in this. So J.J. Redick, Lonzo Ball, and then a pick. Maybe the 13th overall pick gets it done. So Lonzo Ball, J.J. Redick, the 13th overall pick for Victor Oladipo. I think that makes some sense for both teams. You bring in Oladipo. There you go. Redick becomes a little bit more expendable if you're bringing in a guy that's a creator and scorer that is Victor Oladipo that you'd like to try and find a way to keep J.J. Redick, though you just really can't. You know, essentially you're trading three first-round picks for Oladipo here in Redick, Ball, and your actual first-round pick. The first-round picks is just going to be part of the deal. you got to include first-round picks for a guy like this, I think. And then Lonzo Ball makes a little bit of sense, too. One, it gets you there salary-wise. But also, it gives them a young guy that they can evaluate for one year as well. They can look at him and decide if they want to bring him back for the future. He fits a younger timeline more so than Victor Oladipo does. And frankly, if you decide to extend him as a restricted free agent, he's going to be cheaper than Victor Oladipo would be. So you kind of satisfy a lot of requirements there. But let's say that's not enough. And maybe it's not. You've got to then maybe get creative. I would assume with the books that the 
Pacers have, they might want to get rid of a guy like Jeremy Lamb too. Lamb wasn't particularly great, started a handful enough games for him. He's serviceable enough for the Indiana Pacers, I think. Not an amazing player, but he's getting paid a bunch of money over the next couple of years. He's got a th- uh, two more years after this current year at $10.5 million. Maybe they just don't want that $10 million on the books, right? I think he's a guy that could potentially get moved. He's a 12, 13-point scorer per game for the Indiana Pacers this past season. Started 42 of 46 games. It could work. So you could bring that salary back on and take some off of their books while getting a serviceable enough guy. Now, you've got to sweeten the deal a little bit more than, but if you include Nikhil Alexander-Walker in this trade, and then a guy like, say, um, I'm completely blanking because he didn't play, Darius Miller, there we go, that's where things really start to work. So J.J. Redick, Lonzo Ball, Darius Miller, Nikhil Alexander-Walker for Victor Oladipo and Jeremy Lamb, I don't necessarily know if you need to include the third over or the thirteenth overall pick in this draft anymore. You've got to be okay giving up Nikhil, but at this point you're taking money off the books for the Indiana Pacers too. That's a valuable thing. So I think that might be able to get this done. You bring in Victor Oladipo, Jeremy Lamb, who can be with the second unit off the bench and get you some points, sending out Nikhil, Darius Miller, Lonzo Ball, and JJ Redick. That could be appealing to them. So you're giving them the young assets that they want, two young guys. You're taking money off of their books too. Maybe that gives you a leg up over other teams if you're willing to take on that Jeremy Lamb salary. And so there is where I think you could potentially get a trade done. And if you're able to do that, I think you've got to feel pretty good about this, the Pelicans and their chances next year. You, you know, you can make a trade work for Victor Oladipo with a couple of other guys included in all of this, but I don't think it'd be realistic enough to just do like six players for Victor Oladipo because you've just got to make the salaries work. Then the Pacers need to cut a bunch of dudes. It's not what they're trying to do. So I think if you do it as either Lonzo Ball, JJ Redick 13 for Victor Oladipo or Nikhil, Darius Miller, uh, Lonzo Ball, and J.J. Redick for Oladipo and Jeremy Lamb, I think you can get this done without the 13th overall pick. This is a realistic target. I, I actually think that for them, or at least it should be. You know, it should be. They should probably want to try and tear it down. Will they? No. They're probably going to end up keeping Victor Oladipo. So it's realistic in the sense that, like, yeah, he's gettable and the situation is right for, like, the the taking here. But they're likely not going to kind of go through this and try and run it back with a new head coach who maybe gives them a little bit more offense. So I don't want to, So it's as realistic as these superstar deals come, I think. I'd love it, though. I'd love to see Oladipo here as the third or fourth guy. You have a starting lineup then at that point of whatever center it's going to be. Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Victor Oladipo, and then JJ, it's not JJ Redick, and Drew Holiday in the backcourt. That's a very good team, I think, and a team that's definitely going to be in the playoffs next year. Put in Lonzo Ball off the bench, all the other guys that we've seen. You're losing JJ Redick. That's not great, but you can have a pretty solid lineup that has a lot of the holes that you had this past season filled just by plugging in Victor Oladipo. So I'd love to see it. Coming up, we're going to talk about the all-NBA teams, the problem that is going on in the league with this. Yes, there is actually an issue with this because a lot of money is at stake. So we'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. The only thing that's better than Built Bar is, well, 
Built Bar, because they are new and improved with a uh, new formula and a new promo and everything. These things are awesome. I eat one of these daily after I work out as a meal replacement for lunch. They are delicious. You're going to think you're eating a candy bar because they are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They are not chalky. You don't need to chug down like a bottle of water with one of these things. There's a reason everyone who's ever tried these has just raved about them because they're that damn good. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon to almond, cheesecake. I can go on and on with a bunch of the flavors. They are all so good. These things are great for the health conscious person who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in something that's just awesome tasting. They've got them that have 19 grams of protein and just 180 calories or 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. And if you've ever used the locked on promo code before with Built Bar, it's been reset. So you get to get back in on this and get these things a little bit cheaper. Plus, they're going to throw in a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code locked on and you're going to get $10 off your next order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from. The only show that's daily breaking down everything you want to know about this team and the NBA, which we're going to do here because I've got a problem with some of the all-NBA voters that we are going to talk about. So normally this stuff doesn't bug me. I, I would have been fine if Bam had a bio who had the most insane block I think I've ever seen, like ever, playoff, regular season over Jason Tatum in their game one win in overtime over the Boston Celtics, by the way, if he had one most improved player. I think Ingram's deserving. I thought Bam was pretty deserving too. Frankly, if Luca had even won, like I wouldn't have had that big of a deal with it. In terms of Defensive Player of the Year and all of these other awards and all the postseason stuff, like it's usually just kind of fine. I don't think people get robbed. It's subjective by nature. Like it's okay if you disagree. Like Drew Holiday not making an all defensive team, I thought is fine. Like was he a little bit snubbed? Yeah, probably. Is it that big of a deal? No. And it was such like a slight snubbing that it's not egregious to be like what the hell sort of thing. So I don't. These things don't bother me. And then I was looking at the All NBA awards. And I'm like, wait a second, looking at this, you know, I think they got some of the teams right for the most part, the first team, second team, the third team, you know, you're going to have one guy who gets left off like every year. And this year it's Bradley Beal. And then I got into some of the other votes sections of this. And this is where I have a problem with this. So the reason I have a problem with it and why I'm not really upset over most improved, why I'm not upset overall defensive team and all that, that shit doesn't matter. Ultimately, it's a nice award. It's a cool accolade. It's nice recognition. But so what? Who cares, right? It, it, it ultimately doesn't matter. But the All-NBA Awards Defensive Player of the Year 2 factors into this actually does matter. These things factor into players' contracts via the Derrick Rose rule, which is stupid. And maybe we need to look at eliminating. But by Bradley Beal not making an All-NBA team, his Supermax deal coming up doesn't qualify for the, as one of my cats jumps off the table here, does not make uh, make him as much money. So he's going to lose about $40 million on his next contract, the max that he could earn on his next contract because he didn't make one of these things because people left him off. You make an argument he should have been on there. He came somewhat close-ish a little bit, I think, um, in terms of being close to Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. You could say maybe he should have been in there over a guy like Russell Westbrook with the numbers and the scoring numbers that he put up. But ultimately, like, normally I wouldn't care, except it costs him money. And while I don't think it's as egregious that he got left off, when you look at the other players receiving votes in terms of some of this, I'm looking at the other players receiving votes centers. Andre Drummond, Andre freaking Drummond, got one second team vote. 
He got more points in all of this than Carl Anthony Towns did. Or Brooke Lopez for Milwaukee. Brooke Lopez was in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. So this is where this stuff bothers me because this stuff actually does factor into people's money. So if a voter isn't taking this seriously and is giving Andre Drummond votes, and I'm assuming it's the same person who's giving Andre Drummond votes for Defensive Player of the Year because of just his hollow rebounding numbers, you've got to take this one. The ones that factor into people's livelihoods and money and making them more money than the already ungodly amount of money that they're making, but still they deserve every penny that they should get. This does bother me and I don't like this. And that means that these voters aren't taking it nearly as seriously enough. And the NBA cut down on a lot of this. It used to be a ton of people voting. You had team broadcasters voting and you could see the homerism in all of that and everything. And they kind of cut a lot of those people out to eliminate some of that, which was the right move. But they're still not getting it entirely right. And I think that is not what you want to see. Anthony Davis of the hundred votes out there got 99. So someone didn't leave him on a first, second or third team. We all hate AD here. He's one of the 15 best players in the league and should have been on all of your ballots. It's kind of wild to me that you wouldn't have put him on at least one of them. Like, what are you doing if that's the case? How are you leaving him off? Maybe it's the dude who put Andre Drummond second. Drummond didn't get a first place vote. He didn't even get one other third place vote. So this is such an outlier of a vote that it just, it it boggles my mind. Carl Anthony Towns got two third place votes. Brooke Lopez got one third place vote. The fact that Andre Drummond has no third place votes other than this one voter, no one thought he was even close to this sort of thing. Now, it's, it's good because no one got left off because of that vote for Andre Drummond. But if it was a little bit different or the voting was closer, so Drummond finished with, or sorry, Embiid finished with 79 total points. Rudy Gobert, who's the third team All-NBA center, had 110. So it wasn't particularly close. But still... Like, what if that's a reason a player got left off? Because this one person, this one voter didn't take it seriously. We've got to separate the media stuff from players' compensation. I actually think they did these teams right. I probably would have put Russell uh, Russell Westbrook off and put on Bradley Beal. But that at least makes a little bit of sense to me. And it wasn't particularly close. Beal had 32 points. Russell Westbrook had 56. Ben Simmons was the other guard. There were 61 points. It wasn't particularly close. I don't really have a problem with how the teams ended up. Although looking at Jokic now at second team versus Anthony Davis' first team at center, you're like, huh, wait a second. But AD was really good, particularly defensively, I thought. So I don't mind this. It's just when it comes to these weird situations and one day someone is going to get screwed in terms of money. Maybe it's Zion in the future. Maybe it's a guy like Brandon Ingram in the future. Someone's going to get really get screwed because someone didn't take this seriously, and that I don't like. There definitely needs to be some sort of separation of that. Speaking of Zion and all of the rookie teams, I finally got to look at the actual voting. Zion made the first team, and he was solidly in there. He was only, though, on 89 of the ballots. Some 11 people didn't think he was first or second team. This is where those people are wrong. Again, I don't get that upset, but they're wrong. He should have been on all of them. And when you look at the rookie class, yes, there were some pretty decent guys there. But clearly, even in limited minutes, when this is kind of just all rookies who are the best rookies, 
Zion was one of the best rookies, not rookie of the year, but one of the best rookies. And he should have been on probably all of the ballots with what he did on a per minute basis, a per game basis compared to some of these other guys. I thought this was going to potentially be like a weak class coming in and ended up being much better than we thought. But Zion is easily up there. At least he made the first team. And these type of votes, they don't matter anyway. But the other stuff that does, take it seriously or give it to people who will take it seriously. I'm fine with that too. Just give up your vote if you don't care. There's plenty of people who kill for that opportunity to validate their careers by being a voter on one of these awards. So these need to be redone a little bit. This stuff bothers me. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Big thank you to Built Bar for sponsoring today's show. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Tell me, what's your trade for Victor Oladipo? You want to try and bring him in? I think they should. Uh, what would you give up? What's the most you would give up for Victor Oladipo? Construct a trade that I didn't come up with here. Let me know on Twitter at Nola Jake. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison. Again, at Twitter on uh, at Nola Jake. I'll be back with you all on Monday.